Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Allison Van Hooser. Allison has a really unique background and she brings a perspective to leadership that we don't often talk about in this podcast. So Allison, with that, first of all, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm excited to be here. So Allison, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your professional background. I would say I'm a I'm an old school millennial. So mass media has painted this huge picture of millennials who don't work hard, who are given everything, who want the participation trophies. And I would say I'm more of the old school type. So I've worked to get everything that I have so far. I come from a background where I've been on my own since I was 13, moving from house to house, put myself through college. And from there, I have been in retail and the finance industries and been in management and leadership positions in those and have been really successful. So about a year ago, almost to the day, I came on board with Van Hooser Associates. I got lucky that the last name, my last name matches because my father-in-law is Philip Van Hooser and I married his son, Joe. And this is not an example of someone bringing me on because I'm family and it would be so sweet. It's an example of I worked my tail off to get to where I am and I have experience and I'm passionate about leadership and the fact that he does leadership development. I believe there's a higher power putting all of us together. So, Allison, that really leads to the next area I wanted to explore with you. And I think our listeners have just gotten a sense uh, from your last answer about your passion and how passionate you are. But you've really taken your passion in a direction I don't see it taken very often, and it's about leadership. So I was wondering if you could tell us why you're so passionate about leadership and why you've dedicated yourself and your professional career to this passion. It's twofold. And you know me now, Tom, and so you know I get pretty fired up. So leadership is twofold. You lead yourself and you can lead others. So for me, coming from the background that I did and the family life that I had, I had parents who weren't present. And so I learned early on that if I was going to be successful, if things were going to change for me, then I had to lead myself. And so I believe leadership starts with personal development. But as I got older, it was because of the leaders in my life, both at work, at home, at church, that I am where I am today. It's because they chose to serve me that I went all in with them and I was willing to listen and learn and follow them where they wanted me to go. So as I got older and into my professional career, I've had the opportunity to work really closely straight out of college with a lot of top management people. And so what I've seen is that there are really great leaders and then there are some who struggle. And the difference between those two is most often their ability to be able to relate and connect to their people. And I have a gift of doing that because it comes natural to me, but also I've taken the time to reflect on what does it take to really connect with people who are different than me. And developing those skills has allowed me to be able to create influence with other people. And when you have influence with other people, you can get the results you want out of them and get them to go where you want them to go. So I'm so passionate about leadership. I believe everyone can be a leader. You're not born a leader. You can learn to be a leader. And I love teaching people to do that and be better at that. Allison, as I've heard part of your story in the past, and one of the things that I talk about on this leadership podcast 
a lot is listening. And you learn to listen at a very young age. And I don't mean shut up and listen. I mean, <laughs> listening, hearing people and taking in what they were saying and utilizing that and thinking about it and analyzing and utilizing that. So I was wondering if you could tell us how you developed this great listening skill. Growing up in the home that I did, Tom, the conversations that were around me were not conversations of lifting people up or striving for more. So I knew that I wanted something different. So if I was going to get something different, if I was going to get something better, I just knew I had to start paying attention to the people who were getting something better, who were where I wanted to be. And so whether it was at church or at school or different activities that I was involved in, coaches, if it was someone who was at a position where I wanted to be, or maybe even someone who wasn't, I was watching everything that they did. I was watching and I was listening. What did they say? How did they say it? Did they get the results that they wanted or did they not? Was it the results that I wanted? And then I would sit and I would think about that. And I know that sounds strange to be... (laughs) (laughs) to be a little kid and be watching people in that way and listening to what they're doing. But I wanted different results. And so I had to listen. I had to figure out what it was going to take to get to where I wanted to go. And you're not going to find that out if you're not willing to learn. And you're not going to learn if you're not willing to listen. And you took that lesson into your professional career as well, because it seems to me that you listened and you learned a lot from a very wide variety of leaders in your professional career. That's very true. So you're bringing up in my mind the different people, the different leaders that I've worked with. And then I had the unique advantage that I would come in new to an organization. I would have the ear of the leaders in the organization, but I would also have the buy-in from the people who were either also new or weren't in those leadership and management positions. So they were willing to open up and talk to me. So when people were talking, I found a lot of times that people don't necessarily know how to adequately communicate what they're thinking to leadership. But when you get them in a casual conversation where they don't feel like they have to put on this front and they'll open up to you and their people will give you little clues as to what it is, to what motivates them, what's holding them back, what it's going to take to get them to perform better. And because I've had the opportunity to work with people of all different generations, of all different socioeconomic backgrounds, and because I've been listening and dissecting what I'm hearing for so many years, I mean, I'm only 30, but because I've been doing it since I was a little girl, I just became hyper-focused on the little things that people say that give you insight into who they are, what they want, and what drives and moves them. And as a leader, that's the information you have to know if you're going to get better results out of your team. Allison, one of the things I've heard you say, frankly, repeatedly, which has really struck me, is that you believe leadership is service. And I was wondering if you'd give us a few thoughts on that. Absolutely. So leadership is influence. You have to have influence, whether it's with yourself or whether it's the people that you want to follow you at work. And in order to get that influence, you have to serve people. So for my entire life, there have been people who have served me. And now a couple of weeks ago, I made a post on Facebook asking thousands of people, tell me about the greatest leaders in your life. And person after person who commented on that post did not comment on someone doubling profits year after year or someone who made a name for themselves in the industry. 
people were commenting about leaders in their lives who had done something for them, who had taught them something, who had helped them become a better person. It wasn't the business results that got people to buy in and follow leaders. It was the fact that leaders chose to serve their people. That's what got people to buy in, to go all in. And We've talked about before, you know, I've worked with leaders. I know leaders personally who their followers, it doesn't matter what goal they need to achieve or what challenge they have at work. Once you have your followers buy-in as a leader, you can get the results you want. You can take your people where you want them to go. Let me just say this. None of that can happen if you're not willing to serve people. And the thing about leadership is, and I've seen it with people my age and people older than me, is that People don't realize that leadership is about taking the superior position. And that superior position is not about you being on top. It's about you putting everyone else before yourself, whether it's in how you communicate what you do. Leaders have to take the superior position and serve their people if they're going to gain influence. Well, what I wanted to pick up on that point was you've worked in a variety of industries. You've worked in banking. You've worked in insurance. You've even been almost reluctant to say it, but you've been a politician serving a constituency, (laughs) an elected government official. So how does the concept you put forward of leadership as service work in those disparate areas? And indeed, would it work in almost any business? It would absolutely work in any business. So I focus heavily right now on millennials and Generation Z. Generation Z is just coming into the workforce. So those are a lot of people who need knowledge. They need experience. So leaders can serve them by giving them educational opportunities, by bringing them into the meetings and the private conversations so that their eyes can be opened and they can learn new things so that they can become a more valuable part of the team. But that's also going to serve them, which is going to make them more invested in you as a leader and what you do. But what I want to say about millennials is the data shows that we are switching jobs quickly, which means that your millennial people, which I'm a millennial, I'm kind of right in the middle. I'm 30 years old of that generation. If we're switching jobs often, that usually means that leaders have new millennials on their team, but we come with skills. We come with lots of skills and we can become an immediate value to your people. But in order for us to do that, we need you to serve us. We need you to open doors for us to information, to access to different tools that you have. You can't discount millennials because of their age. The great thing about millennials is that they have so much different experience most of the time that they can provide value to your team that people who've been there for decades maybe can't. And as a leader, when you serve those millennials in that way, when you give them opportunities, they can provide value to your team that you might not get anywhere else. And that is universal. That goes across every industry out there. If you choose to serve your people, give them opportunities, help them learn, help them grow, they'll provide value and they'll go all in. Let me ask you if you see or feel this example is valid. I'm a huge fan of the rock group Queen. And I come to that from my English wife. And so we've seen Queen four or five times. And they, of course, now have uh, Adam Lambert as their lead singer, having taken the position originally created by Freddie Mercury, now deceased. And the first time I saw them together, a lot of people were talking about what a big favor Queen did, putting Adam Lambert right out front singing their songs. But what struck me was what he brought to them. And he brought a, just a, probably not a millennial anymore, but just a level of enthusiasm and 
subject matter expertise in terms of his vocal talents so that they did not have to carry the show by their singing. They could carry it with their playing. But that what struck me was how he enthused them to take their music up to a new level. And so since that time, I've been wondering that if millennials bring that to the workforce and if you find that to be valid, how can a company tap into that? Have you ever walked in somewhere and you felt like you either belonged or didn't belong? All the time. All the time. Leaders in companies across the country today, you've got Generation Z coming in, brand new. You've got millennials who are trying to step in to management roles to gain more influence by position, but hopefully they're developing their leadership skills so they can gain it by serving people, not just having a title. If you want millennials to bring that energy Just like Adam and Queen, I guarantee you they opened him up with open arms and said, Adam, what do you think? What do you think would be best? What do you think the people want? And Adam was given the opportunity for him to shine. He probably wasn't squashed by Queen and told, now we do things this way. We've always done things this way. He's probably been allowed to share his ideas without fear of repercussions of what people or what people in the group might say or think about him. He's probably been given the opportunity to say, what he thinks, to implement his ideas, work them out, probably even make mistakes, and then been encouraged to try again, not hidden behind the scenes because of what he did. And that's what leaders across the country, across industries can do for their millennial Generation Z employees. If you want us to bring that energy and bring the value that we can to the table, then you've got to give us the opportunity to do that without fear of repercussions, without the having your hand on top of us and squishing that spirit that lives in most of the millennial generation to make a difference, to add value to the team. The thing I know about millennials, and not the millennials that I read statistics about, the millennials that I'm friends with, the ones that I've worked with, you know, we hear a lot of times about the company Tom's and millennials want to make a difference because we buy the Tom's shoes that give a pair for every pair you buy. I would say... That's a really nice, broad way of saying we want to make a difference. But the people I know, we're taking time away from our families. We've got mom. I'm a full-time mom. I'm going out and I'm giving 40 hours a week away from my kids. And I better be making a difference if I'm doing it. And if I'm not being allowed to make a difference in the company that I'm in, I'm going to go find one that will listen to me, that will let me play a valuable part, a part that's going to help change the company that I'm in for the better. And I bet Adam Lambert felt the same way. So let me flip that around a minute and now ask you to focus on the millennial. When you do consulting, what do you tell your millennial audience their responsibility in this is? I first address with them that, you know what, you need to give people no reason to doubt you. There's enough information out there. The picture has been painted by mass media that we are a generation that is not worth much overall. So when you're walking in that door, you need to have yourself together. You need to be that leader for yourself, the professional for yourself who is holding yourself to a higher standard than everybody else so that you can get the buy-in of the people above you and the people below you. And we work on that. We work on how to communicate with people of different generations. We work on what is professionalism today and how do you adapt with people who are stuck in a different mindset than you? How do you adapt who you are, stay true to who you are, but adapt in order to relate to people and gain influence with people all across the organization? And for millennials, the great thing about us is 
we've been changing our whole lives. I give the example of TV. When we were little at, I call it my memo, <laughs> at my memo's house, you're up there and you're adjusting the antenna or you're turning the channel on the TV. But as we've gotten older, I'm 30 years old now. I've went from cable to satellite to Hulu and Netflix now and Apple TV, and I don't have satellite or anything, and I've adapted very easily. And that's one example of how millennials have learned that things change and we're willing to move and go with them as long as they make sense, as long as they're adding value. And for millennials, sometimes it's just not even just millennials for anybody. Sometimes it's pointing out the things that should be obvious, the things everyone should know, but they're not focusing on. Therefore, they're not able to grow in those areas. And I help millennials do just that. Allison, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if anyone wanted more information on yourself or Van Hooser and Associates, how would they find out? You can go to vanhooser.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, where you can get more of a casual view of me and behind-the-scenes look of who I am and what I do. So, Allison, this has just been a fascinating exploration. I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you so much, Tom. I can't wait. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.